have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Proverbs, but most of these passages will be on the PowerPoint this morning. I've entitled The Ministry of Talk. According to a University of Arizona study, and as I research this, a lot of the professionals seem to refer to this, so I'm supposing it's pretty accurate. Most people speak about 16,000 words in a day. And yes, men, it is true. Women speak about a thousand more than we do. It's like tell us something we didn't know, right, guys? 16,000 words in a day. We spend one-fifth of our life talking. At the end of each day, our words, if written down, would compose a 50-page book every day. At the end of a year, if our words were written down, we would have 132 books each with 200 written pages. The Bible says in Proverbs 18:21, and this was kind of our theme verse for our study. And by the way, in our first study, we looked at the words that bring death. And today, we're being very positive, and we're looking at the words that bring life. How talk can be a ministry. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Oh, the tongue so powerful, our words can be deadly. Uh, they can be life-giving. And those are the kind of words we want to look at today. The Bible said, and those who love it, who love the life-giving aspect of the tongue, will eat its fruit, will be blessed by it. Have you ever considered your talk as a ministry. Some of you may never have thought of yourself being in the ministry, but I want you to know every one of us are in a ministry. Our speech can be a ministry, a life-giving ministry, a fruitful ministry for the Lord. And if you're a Christian and you have eternal life and life and life abundant, John 10, 10, and if you have been called by God to bring forth fruit, John 15, 16, and every Christian has, then we need to be giving out life-giving words. How many of you today still remember some of the positive things that were said to you when you were a child? I wasn't a great athlete. Football was my favorite sport and still is to watch, but it was probably my worst sport to participate in. But I remember my uh, junior high year, I uh, played in a ball game and I caught two passes in the middle of a lot of traffic. Of course, it had nothing to do with the quarterback who was Archie Manning. He threw pretty well even then. But I remember we were going all over the bus the football team was on the bus, going back to the school on the bus. And Coach Holmes, my favorite coach, he was driving the bus, and I guess he knew I was sitting on the front seat. And they were talking about the game, him and another coach there in the front, and he said, well, you know, that Jack Moore caught two good passes today. Now, folks, that was when I was about 15 years old. That's been at least 10 years ago. I remember that. I remember that. 
How many of you still remember some positive and encouraging, life-giving words? And of course, the downside of that is how many of us struggle forgetting some of the death-giving, deadly words that we've heard. Aren't you thankful the blood of Jesus Christ not only cleanses us from all sin, but can cause us to forget the things that are behind and press on to the things that are before? And if you want to know the truth about yourself, look at what the Lord says about you. As a blood-bought, forgiven, loved, cherished child of the King. Focus on those words. But I want to speak to you today about the ministry of talk. We're going to take the word talk, T-A-L-K, and we're going to classify some of the passages in Proverbs that tell us how to have fruitful talk under each one of these letters. The T in talk stands for truth. Before you say something, try to learn to school yourself and ask the question, is what I'm about to say true? The Bible says, speak the truth in love in the book of Ephesians. True is what we ought to say. God is truth, and we ought to, as his representatives, always desire to speak truth. Proverbs 8, 7, for my mouth will speak truth. Make that a commitment today. Make a commitment today. You know, by the grace of God, I'm not going to start saying things anymore that I don't know to be true. And you say, well, I'll talk a lot less. You probably will. But this book is full of truth, and it's got a lot to say. For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. An abomination means something detestable. I'm not going to speak detestable language in the sight of God. This word wickedness reminds me of a passage in Ephesians 4.29 that says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. And that word corrupt, it's a word that was used for rotten fruit. You can either speak healthy fruit life-giving fruit, or you can speak rotten words. Evan, would you mind coming up here just a moment? I'm sorry I didn't ask you this before the service. I've got two bananas here today. One I bought at Kroger's yesterday. And uh, do you like bananas? Good. All right. And uh, I don't know how old this banana is, but I want you to tell, which banana would you like to have? All right, go ahead. It's yours. You don't want, you sure you don't want this one? All right, you may be seated. Smart boy. I would not give him this rotten banana, even if he wanted it. Why? I care about him. Well, if you care about people, don't speak corrupt, rotten words. Speak healthy, life-giving words. You can have this after the service. Anybody that just got through with three kidney stones operations. Mm. 12, 17, he who speaks truth declares righteousness, but a false witness is deceit. The opposite of telling the truth is what? Telling lies. Five times in John 8, 44, Jesus called the devil a liar. I'm not so sure we're not any more like the Lord when we're speaking truth because he is truth. 
And I'm not so sure we're not any more like the devil when we're not speaking the truth and we're lying because Jesus, not only is he a liar, he is the father of liars. Who do you want to be like in your speech? You want to be like Jesus? Then tell the truth. Speak words of truth. You don't want to be like the father of liars, Satan. 1219, a truthful lip shall be established forever. Did you know that truth is going to always prevail sooner or later? And it may be later on the day of the judgment seat of the Lord, but truth is going to prevail. I promise you. So line up on the side of speaking truth. But a lying tongue is but for a moment. Do you know you'll get caught in your lies sooner or later? And a lot of times it'll be sooner than later. One of my favorite stories is about four high school boys, and they carpooled together to school throughout the week. And so one morning on their way to school, they decided they would swing by McDonald's for breakfast. They knew it would make them late, so they made up a story. And they all agreed on the story. Tell the teacher when she asked us why we were late that we had a flat tire. They all agreed. They were late. The teacher held them after class and said, boys, why were you late? They all said in unison, we had a flat tire. We couldn't help it. She said, okay, I want each of you four boys to go to the four far corners of the room and write down on a piece of paper which tire was flat. Oh, folks, let me tell you, lies will catch up with you. And they, you may think it's an easy way out. You may think it's the thing to do for the moment. But I'm here to tell you, it'll come back to kick you. The A in talk stands for appropriate. When to say it. Did you know you can say the right thing at the wrong time and it can become a mess? Proverbs 15, 23. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. That means the appropriate time, how good it is. When I was a little boy, my daddy used to watch his show. It seemed like it was called the Jackie Gleason Show. This for sure will date some of you. And Jackie Gleason had this saying, how good it is. Proverbs says how good it is when people speak the right thing at the right time. It'd be kind of like Phil on Duck Dynasty. Happy, happy, happy. This scripture says you can actually... Be blessed with joy when you speak as the Lord would have you to speak. Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in setting, settings of silver. Now, the settings would refer to the bowl that would hold the apples, and it would be pure silver. What an ornament. What a decoration. The two most precious metals. Gold and silver. Today we're hearing on TV a lot on the advertisements. Oh, advertise, uh, invest in gold and silver. That's the thing to do. Well, that's what I'm asking you to do today. Oh, I'm not saying literal gold and silver from Roslyn Capital might be a good idea. But that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to tell you our speech, the right thing said at the right time, can be like apples of gold in pitchers or bowls or vases of silver. How beautiful this is. 
You know, Jesus said on the day of judgment, what was said in the dark is going to come to light, and what was spoken in secret will be proclaimed on the housetops. And you say, well, why is speech such an important thing? Well, he said in Matthew 12, 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's why you speak as a reflection of your heart. And God is a God that looks on your heart. And isn't it interesting that in Proverbs, good speech is compared to gold and silver. And Paul said at the Christian's bema, judgment seat of Christ, those who receive rewards will be rewards symbolized by what? Gold, silver, precious stones. I tell you, our words are a lot more important than perhaps we recognize they are. Now, I threw this one in to show you what appropriate words are. Proverbs 27, 14. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice. Now, kids, don't try to use this when your parents wake you up to go to school Tuesday, okay? He who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. I mean, you know. Now, my wife is a diligent person. She has to be at work at 7.30 every morning. And she doesn't have a lazy bone in her body. But I am an early morning person. I have been for years. I mean, we're talking 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. It's time to get up. And uh, I can remember shortly after we were married, it was a Saturday, and I was up bright and early. Marsha was sleeping in late. And it was about 7 or 8 o'clock or so, and I thought, I want Marsha out here talking to me this morning. And we'd been to a Sunday school fellowship the night before, and they'd asked me to bring my guitar and do some praise songs. And one of the most popular one uh, that we did back in there was Rejoice in the Lord Always. You can't sing that song twice, you know. Bang on that guitar, Rejoice in the Lord Always. And I thought, you know, I bet it'll be a real blessing to Marsh if I were to go in there with my guitar. And I did. I threw open that door and I stood right there over her in bed on Saturday morning about 7 a.m. rejoicing the Lord. Oh, well, let me just suffice it to say Marcia didn't rejoice. <laughs> well, it, I told her the truth. That's right out of the Word of God. Philippians 4, 4. But you can say the right thing <laughs> at the wrong time. So learn to ask yourself, okay, should I say this at this time? The L, our favorite, love. The L in Paul, love. The T, true. The A, appropriate. The L, love. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, though I speak. Now this isn't from Proverbs, this is from the New Testament. Well, we've got to share it from the love chapter. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become as a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Jesus said to love God and to love one another on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, every other commandment. And what I say needs to have the right reason and motivation for saying it. Love for God and love for others. And I've shared with you, although he was 
too liberal for my blood as far as his theology was concerned. But he was quite the Hebrew and Greek scholar. William Barclay defined agape love this way toward other people. When I tell you I love you as a Christian, it is an attitude produced by the Holy Spirit where I'm saying I'm committed to seek your highest good. That's what it is. It's deeper than just an emotional, whimsical love. Agape love means I am committed to seek your highest good. And that's the way our talk ought to be. That Ephesians 4.29 passage that says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, it goes on to say, but only that which is good for building up. It uses the word edification. Is what I'm about to say going to build up this conversation? Is what I'm about to say going to build up this person? Or is it going to be like a wrecking ball and tear someone down? Proverbs 17, 9, He who covers a transgression seeks love. But he who repeats a matter, that's a gossip, folks, separates friends. Well, I don't know, but I heard. If you don't know it to be true, don't say it. If it can't be said in love, don't say it. You know, sometimes we have those events we never forget. Several years ago, one of our members was having a very early morning surgery downtown, and I was out early. And I think it was East Parkway, one of those streets, heading down to Poplar and down to a hospital early in the morning. And there were hardly no cars on the road. The roads were somewhat iced over. And I was going very slow. And this young lady in a small car met me. And the next thing I knew, I heard the loudest bang, boom sound I've ever heard. She lost control of that car and hit a concrete telephone and I thought Jack you've got to go back nobody else is here so I eased off the side of the road the best I could I couldn't walk on the sidewalk it was too slick with ice I got on the grass and I began making my way and oh I could tell it was hard and out of nowhere all of a sudden paramedics and firefighters showed up then I realized there was an a department right across the street they couldn't get her out of the car, of course, but they checked her vital signs, and she was good enough. You know what they did? They did the most decent thing you can do. That was somebody's daughter. That may have been somebody's wife. That may have been somebody's mother. They took this big cover, and they threw it over the windshield. Well, that's what this language says. The decent thing to do when a brother or sister is hurting and fallen, is not to gossip about it, but to love by throwing a cloak over it. What's wrong with us as Christians? Jesus said they will know your disciples by, by your love, and yet sometimes Christians are horrible gossips. 10-12, hatred stirs up strife. Loving language doesn't stir up and fan the flames of argument, but it covers all truth. Quoted in 1 Peter 4, 8, and above all things, have fervent love for one another. Love will cover a multitude of sins. 
Now, I know some of you are saying, doesn't the Bible teach that sometimes if you have a fallen brother or sister, you should go to them and confront them? Yes, but you might call that word care front instead of confront, and it should be out of love, not condemnation or self-righteousness. We're almost through. T is what I'm about to say crucial. A is what I'm about to say appropriate. L is what I'm about to say seeking the highest good of this situation and this individual, is it love? And K stands for passion. That's kind of how we say it. Did you know you can say a right thing at the right time and even be motivated by love and it not come across the right way? I found it interesting that one of the words translated for kindness in the New Testament is gentleness. 1 Thessalonians, but we were gentle among you as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. 2 Timothy 2.24, Paul told this young preacher Timothy, and the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, gentle in our talk. When I first surrendered to preach, and some of you have been preaching as long as me, let me tell you, the popular style was loud preaching. Any of you remember that, loud preaching? I mean, I don't know how it was in Tennessee, but in Mississippi, if you didn't preach loud, you just weren't worth your salt. And I just thought that was so cool. I mean, I'd been in a rock and roll band for three years. I was the lead screamer. So I just transferred from rock and roll to the rock of ages and kept on screaming. I screamed the truth. And I declare it was the right sermon, and I declare it was for the glory of God and the good of the people. But after so many children, sometimes it would be their parents that would just casually be talking to them, and they would say things like this. They think you're mad at them, Brother Jack, when they come to the church. Why would they think that? God bless them, I love them. Lord, help me to say the right thing, the right way, for the right reason. Proverbs 15:1: a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I mean, I have seen arguments diffused just because a wise person spoke the truth in a gentle manner. 1727, he who has knowledge spares his words. Do you know sometimes the kindest thing you can say is to say nothing? And a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. I was rereading the five love languages by Dr. Gary Chapman a few weeks ago before a premarital counseling session with a couple. And he said, that the average individual listens only 17 seconds before they interrupt. Now, I know none of you do that. But sometimes gentle language is language that thinks before it speaks. It's calm language. It's thought through language. And it doesn't interrupt. One of the secrets to communication, and many of you as couples need to hear this. 
is to learn to listen. And again, I'm stepping on my toes as well as yours. How many times do our own Christian brothers and sisters pour their heart out to us, and within 17 seconds, we're ready to interrupt and give them our expert opinion. That's ego. That's pride. Listen. Sometimes that's what they need the most. 25.15, by long forbearance, a ruler is persuaded. Look at this. And a gentle tongue breaks the bone. Gentle speech is powerful speech. Now, it would take, I think, a pretty hard lick to break this bone in my arm. But the Bible says sometimes a gentle, soft answer is so powerful. God will use it in a way that would be like breaking a bone. So, what does the T stand for? Is it true? What does the A stand for? Is it appropriate? What does the L stand for? Is it loving? And the K, is it kind? James 3, 2 said and says, For in many things we stumble. If any man offend not in words, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. Do you understand what that it sure seems to be saying to me? That if you learn to speak right, doesn't mean you won't ever slip, doesn't mean you won't ever stumble, only Jesus never sinned. But if we learn to speak right, because the hardest member of the body to discipline is the tongue, we'll be able to discipline any area of our life. Need to start exercising, need to start eating healthy. first things first. I'm telling you, this is one powerful thing. One of the stories out of many that were gathered for this sermon was the story about a teacher. And one senior year, she decided toward the end of the year to pass out a piece of paper to her math class. It was a math class. And it had the name of every student in that class. And between each name, she left a space. And she said, I want every one of you as a student to write something good about each member of this class. It took the whole class period. And then they passed the papers in. She took them up. And not long after they graduated, she sent each of them a copy of their name and all of the nice and encouraging words the students had said about them. Time passed, and she didn't think a lot about it. And one of those former students was in the military, and he was killed in Vietnam, and they brought his body back for burial. And they had the funeral service, and afterwards, as we do here, uh, they were having a luncheon, And so many of the friends, the school friends, were sitting at a table. The teacher was at the table with them. They were reminiscing. And the parents of that boy who had been killed got up and brought 
a piece of folded paper. It had been opened and read so much and folded back it was torn. It had like tape all over it. And they said, you are Miss So-and-so, are you not? He said, yes. You were our son's teacher for three years. Yes. They said, this was found in his field house. Remember several different classmates looking at this table. One lady said, oh, I stand by it right now in my purse. She pulled out a folded, tattered piece of paper. Another said, I have it in my wedding album. Another said, I have it in my diary. Friends, have you ever looked at your past? 15,000 opportunities are gone. Have you ever looked at your past? pray we'll do a better job of that. Would you stand with me and let's do bow for prayer right now. Remember what I said that I think one of the reasons that Jesus and the word of God has so much emphasis on our speech is because our words are connected to our heart. Yes they are. Out of the abundance of the heart, abundance of the heart Jesus said the mouth speaks. Okay, What's in our heart so often is what comes out of our mouth. So it could be today there's someone here that needs a new heart. I'm telling you, I know somebody can give you a new heart. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. He died on Calvary's cross. He paid for your sin. He arose from the grave. And he will sprinkle his cleansing blood all over your old heart. He'll perform a heart surgery. We have a man in this church that's had a heart transplant. And he's done wonderfully with it. And that's what... Becoming a Christian is like you get a heart transplant. Have you been saved? Have you been born again? Have you really repented of your sins and asked Christ to be Savior and Lord of your life? Do that today. Do that today. If you've done that and not made it public during the invitation, just come forward and say, I've accepted Christ and I want to make it public today in confession before men publicly. Now, child of God, what about us? You say, I am a Christian, Brother Jack. I know I'm a Christian. I, I know I've been given that new heart, but sometimes we need revival, don't we? Sometimes we need a, a renewal in that new heart, a spiritual awakening. And may God today awaken our hearts afresh and anew to the ministry of Paul. You know what they said about Jesus? Some folks were sent from the temple guard to arrest him. They came back empty-handed, and the Jewish leader said, Where's Jesus? And all they could say is, No man ever spoke like this man. Well, now, I know we're not Jesus, but he's in our hearts, and we ought to speak differently than the people who don't know him. Let's make that commitment today. If God would have you to move your church letter, now's the time to make that decision. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray, amen. Let's sing together.